Hey, what's good, man? It's your boy Will. You know what I'm saying? AKA Philly, man. I'm in Jersey chilling with my man Jared. War Report Radio, man. We out here. You already know what's up, man. Talk dirty. We're trying to pick up the uh, communication from the tank, which is the line of the shore, as a. Uh Okay, what's going on out there, folks? Thank you guys for tuning in to the War Report Radio Series. I'm your gracious host, Jared Adams, and I'm broadcasting live from Newark, New Jersey. Now, I want everybody to take note of my social media pages on Twitter, War Report Radio, straight through, and on Instagram, War underscore Report underscore Radio. Also, pay close attention to iTunes podcasts section war report radio series is now available on itunes so all my iphone users make sure you guys like rate and subscribe to the show that way you guys can keep up with all these new episodes i got dropping also um off all my android users the war report radio series is now available on stitcher radio so pay close attention to that also you can like subscribe and listen to it on Stitcher Radio now, Stitcher Radio and iTunes, also SoundCloud, so the War Report Radio Series, man, we're trying to do it big this year, pay close attention to my moves, watch closely, we gotta feed the streets with another great interview, shout out to Rashawn Davis, I got a great interview dropping today, we're not gonna waste any more time, man, here it is, peace. Alright, we got a special guest. Rashawn Davis, man. Say what's up to the people out there. What's going on? What's going on? Thank you for having me, Jared. Yeah, um, man. Excited to be here. I'm a huge fan of War Report, so it's a treat to be here right now. Okay, now break it down for the people listening out there, watching. Who is Rashawn Davis to the people, man? Ah, uh, that's a complicated question. Um, I like to think of myself as a, a jack of many trades. I'm an activist. Um I'm a community organizer, uh, and I'm somebody that cares about Newark. Uh, so my mom and my family have a long history here. Uh, my grandfather came to Newark. <laughs> my grandfather came to Newark in 1936. Um, my grandmother was part of uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee here in the 60s. Um, so it's a city that's close to my heart. Um, and I was always taught to sort of give back and advocate. And so that's what I've been doing, man. It's a city with a lot of problems, but Newark is a place with a lot of potential. So, mm-hmm. And it's going to take people who believe in it, um, who are going to work hard to make sure we can make a difference here. So mm-hmm. um, that's what I'm about, man. So You're I about for- making a difference here in Newark, New Jersey? Yeah, I'm about that. I'm okay, about now, that. what potential out here do you actually see? You know what I'm saying? You grew up here, right. went to high school here, uh, left to go to college, right. um, came back. And uh, ran for Westport Councilman, right? You're, right. Were you the youngest of uh, in, in North history? I was history? the youngest. I was the youngest. Speak yeah. about that a little bit more. Um, it's funny because that really kind of came out of um, a lot of the work I was doing in D.C. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was running the NAACP chapter down there, mm-hmm. and we were doing a lot of organizing work around Trayvon Martin, mm-hmm. um, around Troy Davis, um, and so we decided a group of my friends saying, "Look, Newark." in a lot of ways is one of these major 
East Coast cities that hasn't reached its potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Newark needs more than ever is young people coming back making a difference. Because if you look at the issues that face Newark, they're issues that unequivocally affect young people. So the majority of victims of homicides in the city are young black young men people. under the age of 25. The highest group of unemployed Norkers are women of color under mm-hmm. the age of 30. Um, and when you talk about education in the city, you're talking about dis- disadvantaged young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we thought, why don't we come back um, and run for city council? And at first, we kind of just thought we would be around for a few weeks talking about some of the issues that was close to our heart. But as we started to campaign, as we started to gear up, people were loving us, man. And so what started as a campaign with zero dollars and zero support mm-hmm. Turned into a campaign where we raised over Mm -hmm. $30,000, and we gave people a run for their money. I mean, we lost, but it was a tight race, Mm -hmm. um, and we scared a lot of people, which -hmm. which is important. I wanted to ask you, you know, being the youngest person running for Westport Councilman ever, uh, what did the voters think of you, for one, and what did your opponents think of you uh, when you stepped out and decided to run? So, it depends on which voters you're talking about, right? So, I think... think there, there's a different type of voter. I, I, I tend to believe that younger folks and middle-aged folks uh, really supported us. Mm-hmm. They came out, they, they donated, they volunteered, mm-hmm. and they supported us. Um, the seniors were a population that we had difficulty with just because, you know, there's always this, there's always this narrative that, oh, he's young, he doesn't have the experience, or he's not sure uh, mm-hmm. what he's doing, and things like that. Um, and a lot of the a lot of my opponents kind of went on that same train of thought that yeah. you know Rashawn's too young, Rashawn can't do it, he doesn't mm-hmm. have the skills, um, and so that's something that the next time we run, hopefully, we'll have a better strategy to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so to my understanding is you were still in college though when you decided to run. So yeah. what was it like going back from Georgetown back to Newark? doing a campaign like that way and like what about that all that added pressure how did that weigh on you and uh how'd you do to um overcome that it was tough man i mean um senior year was 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 tough at georgetown because i was during the week i was kind of taking classes and during the weekends i would travel back up to new york to campaign Uh, and it was an exciting time nonetheless because we were getting all this attention from folks and, um, you know, we were campaigning and people were supporting us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a great experience. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you sacrifice a lot of things, too. Mm-hmm. So we didn't all, we didn't always get to go out on weekends or there are a few things that we missed um, that we wouldn't have normally missed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that made it all worth it is a lot of my closest friends at Georgetown were with me every step of the way. Yeah. So they would travel up here with me every weekend and just be that support system. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what made it all worth it, man. It was really a team effort and really a collective effort. Okay, well, I guess I got to ask you next is you spent some time in uh, like Pittsburgh and like other cities like that. Yeah. Uh, in other cities that have more youth representing uh the city yeah per se uh how do you feel about youth representing uh a a large city you know Mm -hmm. what i mean is that necessarily a good idea in your case you know i guess you have to advocate for that because you're running um, well well well, i think i think i think it's about in any particular city it's about making sure that 
that the leaders of that city are representative of, of the demographic of the demographics of that city. Yeah. So you take a city like Pittsburgh, which um, Luke Ravenstahl, who was the mayor of Pittsburgh uh, for about four years, he was um, he was 27 years old when he was elected, mm-hmm. um, and at the time he was considered one of the youngest mayors in America. Savante Mirick. Um, from Ithaca, New York, after he graduated Cornell, ran for mayor of Ithaca mm-hmm. um, and was one of the youngest mayors in the country. And so, how old was I, he at the time? Do you know? He was about 19 or 20. 19 or I'm, 20? I'm sorry, I think he was like 22, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I, I think it's about making sure, but Ithaca and Pittsburgh tend to be very young cities. And mm-hmm. so, it's not surprising that they would elect young people to represent them. Mm-hmm. And then you take a city like Newark, where 33% of the people that live in Newark, and mind you that, Newark is a city with officially 300,000 people, but there are a lot more people here because we have a, a, a huge undocumented population in Newark. Mm-hmm. So I would put the number closer to 350, 375,000. I always thought the number was closer to 200,000. No, but the you official would know. census yeah. number is 300,000. Okay, so about um, 350,000. So, and 33% of the people who live in this city are under the age of 30. Okay. So what that means is that we have a huge youth population in the city. About one third. About one third, and they aren't being represented. If you look at the city council, uh, if you look at our previous mayors, um, you know there's this notion that you won't be elected in the city unless you're 40 years old, mm-hmm. um, and that is not representative of the people who live here. Okay, but out of the uh, population that you said, about one third is under 30. Yeah. How? What percentage of that 30? Um, or one third can actually vote. You know what I mean? It's eligible right, to right, vote. Right, right, And that's that's a. I don't know the number to that, but I'm assuming that it'll, it'll probably be about maybe of that thirty percent, mm-hmm. maybe sixty percent of them are able to vote. Okay. Um, but but the point is is that even if you're fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old, yeah, you're, and you're not allowed to vote, to vote and you're not allowed to vote. This the problems of this city still intimately affect you. Yeah. You talk to any 15 year old in this town, you know, they can probably give you a memory of coming back to school one year and hearing that two of their friends have been killed. Mm -hmm. Or they can give you a story of coming home um, and there's no food in the house or their parents can't find a job. And so a 15 year old in Newark is not like a 15 year old in, you know, frankly, a place like Pittsburgh or a place like Montclair. Okay. So they deserve they deserve to have their rights represented. Okay. Um, And so that's why I think we have to make sure that we have young people as representatives of this city because this city is a young city. Okay. um, Do you feel that even if there was the opportunity, right, to elect somebody uh, for that role, do you think that uh, the young people would come out and vote? Because uh, speak on that a little bit, you know what I mean? Did you guys run into any problems of getting young people to actually come out and, and vote in the first place. So I think in any election, it's difficult getting young anybody people to, to vote. vote. Particularly young people. Young young people. people. Why? Um, you know, they say young people tend to be apathetic towards politics or distrustful towards politics and government. Um, but I think what we found in our election was that was that young people were coming out in droves. So we, we were registering young people to vote. Mm-hmm. Um Young people gave us their support. Um, I think. I think what needs to happen is a full-out campaign to make sure that we get all these young people that are in this city eligible to vote. Because the reality is, it's like it's not that people don't want to vote. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just don't know how. Like a lot of people, 
and and it sounds simple yeah but it's an important thing like i i remember walking down the street and talking to folks and you know there are people who are like well i have a misdemeanor i'm not sure if i can still vote mm-hmm. like i don't know where to get a form i don't mm-hmm. really know how to fill it out how do you feel about registering to vote in the first place dude why do we need to register to vote in the first place why can't we walk to the ballot with an id yeah. and vote without being registered I agree completely with you. I'm, I'm a fan of universal enrollment. I think as soon as a person turns 18, they should be automatically registered to vote. Automatically? Automatically. Okay, now what's the process right now? Do you have to just somehow like uh, run into a recruiter on the street somewhere that can enroll right. you? What's the process that we go through every day right now? Well, right now is like you, there, there are multiple different outlets where you can kind of get registered. So mm-hmm. some schools will register their students that are turning 18. Okay. Um, if you go to the DMV, they'll prompt you if you want to register to vote. So there are different mm-hmm. avenues to do it. Yeah. But the reality is, is that there's always going to be a population missing from those avenues. So absolutely, there are people who dropped out who or don't go to schools where they offer them registration ballots. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't have a car, um, you know, they're typically not going to the DMV that often. Yeah. So they probably won't have the opportunity to register as much. And so. Their only hope is, you know, hopefully they walk in front of a church at some point that's registering or things that's like crazy. that. That's crazy. But yeah. And this is for all elections. Dependent. Yeah. But we can't be dependent on that. And so I'm a fan of universal enrollment. Do I think it'll happen in this country anytime soon? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Interesting take on that. Um, now, let's get into a little bit of the local politics here in Newark, New Jersey. Um, your your Instagram name is Mayor Davis. Is that a shot at the current mayor, Raz Barack, or is that just uh, speaking something into existence? Um, the the crazy thing is, I've been asked about that a lot, and and honestly, I created that Instagram name uh, before Raz was even elected. Okay. Um, I think it was for me. It was just like a kind of a catchy name and something that you know, it's, it's one of my dreams, something I aspire to do. Yeah. I don't think that's a secret. Um, that I want to be mayor of Newark one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for me, it was just like kind of a cool thing to put on my Instagram. I didn't really think much of it, but a couple people have, like, asked me about it. Yeah, what's up with that, man? Mayor Davis. Hey. You like the name of it? You like the I ring like, of that? I, li- I like the ring of it, man. I like the ring of it. I, I understand. I feel you on that one. Uh, now, what's your opinion on the Raz Baraka, um, I guess, uh, not campaign, but... Uh, his tenure so far as mayor. What's your opinion on that? How's he doing on violence? How's he doing right. on other areas like um, unemployment and making sure that people have jobs? Right. So I I, I think I think um, one of the hardest jobs ever is being mayor of a city. Okay. Um, and so anytime I talk about different administrations, I make sure to start off with that because it is incredibly difficult to run and manage a city. Why? Um, because there are so many moving parts. Every day, every day you're dealing with a different situation, a different problem, a different imperative, and you got to be able to answer all of it. Mm-hmm. So there are things that you don't even think about that'll pop up in a newspaper. That's, that's on your shoulders. And you got to have a response to it. Even if you had nothing to do with it, even if it happened before you got there, mm-hmm. you have, you're responsible for having a response to that. So I understand yeah. the difficulty. Something like snowfall. Job. Like this past year, right? Bad response with the right, blizzard, right, and right. now everybody blames you. Yeah, and so I think I think in terms of Raz, um, I think he's done some things well, mm-hmm. um, but I do think there are some places for improvement. So 
the thing I like the most about what Raz has done is just on the unification aspect. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of came in with this idea that we're going to unify the city, um, we're going to collectify the city, and he's done that. So people have a lot more pride in Newark. They have a lot more hope for Newark, mm-hmm. um, and that's important. Those those things that aren't tangible are really important for the morale of the city and for people to believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think crime has kind of gotten a little out of hand lately. I think mm-hmm. I think everybody can kind of agree with that, that there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is it's not as simple as saying we need more cops on the street or it's not as simple as saying, you know, we need state troopers here. Or sometimes, you know, you read comments where people are like, bring in the, bring in like uh, the National Guard. Like, that's not <laughs> the answer. Yeah. Um, crime in a lot of ways is... Uh, a, a symptom of a lot of other issues like, like poverty and lack poverty, of education unemployment unemployment and those are bigger systematic issues that mm-hmm. one mayor can't address okay and so while Roz can probably start turning the tables on it it's going to take consecutive mayors to push just as hard mm-hmm. to solve some of these issues because people aren't going to stop robbing you on Avon Avenue if we can't get them jobs Mm-hmm. That's just the reality of it. We could put as many cops on Avon Avenue as we want to, but that's not going to stop petty thefts if those people don't have money to feed their family, if they don't have money to 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 to, to pay their rent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You talked about systematic issues facing uh, Nork and just other urban communities, right. I would say. Um, now, where does that stem from? Does that stem from the very top of the government? Um, or is that like systematically put there like on purpose? Like what's your opinion on systematic injustice and systematic racism? Oh man, that, that could be a whole nother episode. Yeah, that's a I whole think. nother. Um, I, I think the short of it is like, a, it's a little bit of everything, man. This country has a, a, a history of, uh, repression of people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has played out in reality, um. 200 years of slavery mm-hmm. uh, Another 100 years Arguably 400 years Yeah Well two, Okay 200 two, years of slavery uh, 75, 100 years of Jim Crow mm-hmm. uh, And really just recently We're I'm talking, just getting I'm talking that. about in the past 50 years We're kind of Getting a sense of Independence and liberty mm-hmm. um, And it's a lot of ground To make up for I mean you just it, None of this stuff happens overnight. So when you think about what happens in our communities, the inflow of drugs, crime, and violence, that comes from generations of disinvestment, generations of breaking down the structure of black families, generations of joblessness and hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you beat the hope out of people, um, it's hard to come back from that. Now, now knowing that, right, say like me and you can openly discuss that and, and discuss it as fact. Yeah. And uh, I understand that you're, I guess, the chair of uh, the Young Democrats in Essex County. Am I correct on that? Yeah, I'm the president of the Young Democrats. The Dem- president, yeah, the yeah. president of the Young Democrats. Now, why is it so difficult for Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders to discuss that type of issue on um, a large scale, do you think? Because we're yeah. here discussing it openly like it's a fact. Right, right, but right. The mainstream media will never ask these questions to the mainstream, like the national politicians, not mainstream national politicians, to answer those type of questions. I think something that, and I've I've wrestled with that question too a lot, and I think, I think the short of it is like if if 
if you have really taken the time out to travel this country, mm-hmm. you understand how large it is and how diverse it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in Arizona about two months ago. It was my first time in Arizona, man. And the culture out there, you know, like places like New York City and Baltimore and Brooklyn couldn't be farther away from it. Yeah. It might as well be a different country for a lot of those folks. And so though these these sort of coastal cities like Miami, Baltimore, D.C., mm-hmm. New York, Newark, they tend to be cities where people of color migrate to yeah. coastal cities because they have rivers and things like that. But if you go to the other side of the country or the Midwest or the South, um, you see a different country. You see a different America. And so their thought process about what makes America a great country uh, is oftentimes different. Um, and if it has you, nothing to do with this at all. Right. And so if you if you've grown up in, uh, in, 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 in rural Texas or if you've grown up, um, you know, outside of Phoenix, Arizona, it's hard for you to understand you know what's happening in uh you know east new york and brooklyn or what's happening in the south ward of newark it's hard to relate to that it's hard it's hard to empathize with that and so when you see people flocking towards donald trump and his message and mm-hmm. and all those things you understand that a lot of those people have no experience with the people who are who are receiving the worst iterations of this stuff they have no experience with the people of color who are suffering in this country so they're ignorant to the to the issues you would say literally the people okay well speaking of donald trump let's go on to donald trump now uh why do you think he's been so successful um thus far in uh the second part question of that is do you think donald trump now opens the door for a normal person to possibly run for president or run for senator or something like that i think donald trump has been successful for the same reason that bernie sanders has been successful is that they both excite they both excite the the farthest ends of their party so for trump you know, this idea of restoring America, this idea of making America great again, excites folks who feel like this country is being taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got six states that are now uh, what they call majority minority. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, you know, they're more than 50% of color. Which um, states are those? Do you, do you know which California, states? Um, Florida, possibly? Florida. Um, and I'm missing the other four. And there are a few states. I think there are about nine states mm-hmm. um, that, that are, are headed set that to way. flip in the, in, the, in the next 10 years, New Jersey included. Okay. Um, and so that idea scares people, that this will become a country of color, um, I think scares people. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump kind of incites those fears and he, he leverages does. those fears. Um, and so he's, he's got people like, yeah, I don't, I don't you know. You know, I don't want, you know, a lot of people looked at Barack Obama and was like, well, this, you know, he's a novelty. He's, you know, he's sort of the exception. Okay. Um, but I think when people think about the idea that there might be multiple Obamas. Yeah. Or in something future, more in the fold or something yeah, coming I next. Yeah, th- I think that's scary to people. Um, and I think that's why he's been successful. Okay. But it has nothing to do with his approach as well or... Is it just the fact that he's uh, he knows what to say at the right time to the right crowd? I mean, I think it's that. I think honestly, and I, I can say this sort of, sort of independently, is that he's a good orator, and good orators know what to say, how to say it, when to say it, mm-hmm. and so he does it. He does it. Anytime someone comes for him, or anytime someone says the wrong thing towards his campaign, 
he always counters it in a way that gets people laughing, that gets people excited, that gets people angry. He incites these different emotions in people mm-hmm. um, in the same way Bernie Sanders does. Uh, you know, for, for, for uh, young people, people of color, people who have been victims of a lot of the systematic stuff that's happened in this country, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders excites them. This idea of universal health care, this idea of free college, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these hallmarks to the American dream that he's talking about mm-hmm. are getting people excited, especially people who tend to be on the fringes of society, like people of color and low income folks. OK, now, just to go back, just to hammer this in one more time, uh, I got a question about as far as uh, like go, what goes on behind the scenes mm-hmm. as far as the Clinton campaign. Sanders campaign and the Trump campaign. Yeah. Now you broke it down saying that the country is so diverse and so large that you know what I mean. Somebody in Arizona may not have any type of relation to the, somebody in Brooklyn, but who like what goes on behind the scenes as far as um the people that are involved inside the campaign, like yeah. as far as what they tell the politician what to say. Now, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, what goes into what they tell Hillary Clinton to say? Like, do they say don't say anything about Brooklyn, right, and right, that's right. why we're not hearing it, right, right. or does she honestly feel that she has no duty to like please those type of voters? Right. And th- and this is all speculation because I don't I don't have any connection to the Clinton campaign. But what I will say is, the campaigns I have worked on and people I know who have worked on different campaigns. Um, and friends who have been a part of presidential campaigns when when you are trying to win a state so you know if the Ohio primaries are coming up or New Hampshire is coming up and we're trying to figure out how to win the state what you do is each state has for each campaign hires organizers and district leaders in each state and so their job uh, is to really get a pulse of the state. So they go down to the county level, they go down to the town level, and they kind of see what people want to talk about, what excites people, what scares people. Um, and that plays a huge role into how the candidate speaks to that different audience. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, so if I'm in the Midwest, if I'm campaigning in Ohio, Ohio is still very much a blue-collar state. It's mm-hmm. a state of manufacturing and, and you know, middle-class America. Yeah. And so... so when I go there, my speech is going to be different than, you know, if when I'm speaking in Jersey, in, if I'm speaking in Newark okay. or if I'm speaking in Miami or if I'm speaking in L.A. Like those are different speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they hire people to make sure that they understand what the what the pulse is. OK, now, is that can that have negative effects, though, is what I'm probably asking, yeah, uh, because to me. It shouldn't. It shouldn't necessarily have right. to be that way. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, I, right, I would love right, right. if my politician was more straight and direct yeah. with the real issues going on. And even if even if there are different issues facing Brooklyn and Arizona, right. you can say that. You know what I'm saying? Like it just paint paint a full picture. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I agree. I think. I think the thing is though is you can kind of talk about these. You can talk about, like, these larger issues of, like, employment, you know, U.S. security and things like that. But I think ultimately, if, if a presidential candidate is coming to my town, mm-hmm. I want to hear what they have to say about my issues. Okay. People tend to be selfish that way. So, okay. you know, sure, Brooklyn has its own problems, but, you know, 
don't come to Youngstown, Ohio, talking about that. Like, okay, because I want to hear care. about you know. I want to hear about my manufacturing job. I want to hear how you're going to keep my blue collar town afloat. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, unfortunately, people are self interested, and so when candidates travel to different places, they kind of have to be lasered in on on what are the concerns and the hopes of the people in this particular space. Okay, now. Just to bounce off of that, right, and kind of move into a, another topic, um, do you feel that it's okay to possibly mislead people and tell them what they want to hear as a politician? Um, absolutely not. I don't. I don't think it's good to mislead people um, or not. promise them things or just say, "Oh, we're going to lower crime. We're going to do this." You know what I mean? Because that's that's the well, goal. Well, I, I, you know what I mean? Think, it sounds yeah, nice, yeah. but so I think there's a. I think. I think being misled is one thing, but I think having goals is another. So anybody who's an elected official, you have goals where you say, listen, in four years, I want crime to go down 50%. Or in four years, I want to add 4,000 jobs to the city. And those are goals. And I may not necessarily reach those goals, but if I don't, that's that's not me misleading you. That's me... That's reality. Like mm-hmm. we had these big goals, which you expect us to have. Like you don't want you don't want an elected official coming in and on the first day saying like, um, you know, I wanted to do this, but in reality, I'll probably only be able to do this. Like you never want that. No one wants to hear their elected official say that. Okay. Everybody wants to hear their elected official say, you know, I want four new skyscrapers. It's like I want, you know, I want. 4,000 jobs. They want, they want jobs. a vision. They, they want, want vision. You know, okay. they want vision. And so you give them that vision. And mm-hmm. it's up to you to try to meet that vision. And more times than not, you know, we tend not to meet those visions. Um, and that's not necessarily being misled. That's just, you know, everybody kind of falls short of the glory sometimes. Okay, now what do you do if your opponent uh, decides he's going to mislead people on purpose or just or just promise things that right, right. you know that he's not capable of then what does your strategy become i think if it's something so like ridiculous and you're like you can call him out on it right like if someone is saying like listen you know you know vote for me for mayor i'm gonna make sure you know everybody gets a new mac macbook or something all like high that school you're students, gonna be like all high school students get a macbook right bro. right <laughs> that's that's when you have to like kind of be like all right man it's like, getting ridiculous you know, this is insane. Exactly, exactly. Your wallet. Just gotta say your wallet right there on stage. Yeah. Okay. Now speak about your position as the uh, president of the Young Democrats. What does your position uh, entail, and uh, what do you do uh, for the Young Democrats of X County? Um, so I am the interim president of Essex County Young Dems, and for all those who don't know, uh, Essex County is the the county that encompasses Newark. Um, along with I think about 20 other cities and towns Including East Orange, Glen Ridge, Irvington, Livingston, Bloomfield um, Nutley, Cedar Grove, the Caldwells Like mm-hmm. super diverse, Essex County is super diverse um, And I think we have about a million and a half people in this county um, And so what we do is we're in charge of making sure that Young Democrats between the ages of 16 and 35 um, are engaged in the process. Um, And that's a wide mandate for us. So we do everything from 
mixers and gatherings to happy hours. Um, we're going to have some voter registration drives coming up. Mm-hmm. We'll have panels, discussions. And so our job is just to make sure that people are engaged. young people are engaged, especially because if you look at what's happening in Newark, specifically downtown Newark, if you look at what's happening in parts of East Orange, what you understand is that young people are moving here at a very fast rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we won't really be able to quantify it until the next census. But I can tell you that the, di- the demographics and the dynamics of Newark and the entire county are changing. New York is becoming super expensive. Jersey City is becoming really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next city on that path line mm-hmm. is Newark. Okay. Uh, do you feel that uh, the Raz Barack administration should focus more on bringing outside monies into Newark, similar to a Cory Booker administration? Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on that? Um, I think, I think, and I think Rise has done this. I think he understands this is that you have to be pro development. Um, mm-hmm. Newark just has, and, and a lot of people, I've heard a couple people, even at this point, throw around that gentrification word saying that uh, it's coming. parts of Newark are already being gentrified, okay. like Halsey Street and University Heights and um, mm-hmm. the Ironbound. Um, and the reality is, is that. It's not gentrification because I don't think people are being displaced. Mm-hmm. I think just a lot of development is happening in places that were, for a long time, underdeveloped. There was yeah. nothing there. So yeah. people, they're building stuff where, like... And Newark has a lot of space. It's a lot of space. I mean, I think I think it was... It might have been six or seven years ago, um, Stephen Pryor, who now works for the governor in Connecticut, he used to be the economic development guy here, he said he believed that Newark could fit another 100,000 people. That's amazing. And I, and I agree with that because if you if you ride through Newark, you can see swaths of land that are just empty. Abandoned buildings. Empty. Empty, empty lots. Like if you think about the new Prudential Tower, that was sitting on a parking lot. Nobody got this place from that. Where the Nike store and Starbucks is, mm-hmm. that was one large parking lot. Mm-hmm. And, the, and you know the Haynes building that's about to be a Whole Foods now. Yeah, that was just nothing for a for very years. long time, probably my whole nothing. life. Yeah. So a lot of the development that's happening now, it's not displacing people. It's it's new development, which the city needs. If we're gonna keep, if all these young people are gonna come back, if if we're gonna be the city of our potential, then we're gonna have to have this development happen. And I know it's scary for some people. It's different for some people. People who have lived here their whole lives. Mm-hmm. who come downtown now it's a different downtown than they're used to when they grew up mm-hmm. and i understand well, that could down, be scary downtown to me I, I go downtown damn near every day i work downtown yeah. broader market is still probably one of the grimiest <laughs> blocks in yeah, the entire city yeah yeah, yeah. right now broader you know, market is what is um, well if you were the mayor what would you do to broader market would you so, did, would you remove that type of crowd or would you be inviting of that type of scene? So there is, um, there is a, there's a study called, uh, and it's an academic study called behavioral architecture, mm-hmm. where basically how you design a space will dictate what happens in that space. The problem with broad and market sense. is that it's terribly designed. First of all, <laughs> twenty, but there are twenty buses that stop there. That's yeah. not how you design a city. For my, the first thing I would do. What's is, the? It's the is biggest talk market to NJ in the city. Transit about dispersing the bus stops. 
Like you shouldn't have, you know, the the thirty one, the the twenty one, the twenty four, the all stopping at the same place. all stopping at the same site because crowds ensue, and when the, when there's crowds, there tend to be other issues that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it provides cover for people who want to peddle drugs. It provides covers for people who want to pickpocket mm-hmm. um, and all types of stuff. So the first thing I would do is spread out the stocks. From from Broader Market up until about Essex County College, St. Mm-hmm. Benedict's. Okay. Um, and you can see, you can see. I mean, if you go across the street from the Prudential Center on Lafayette, those it's the same street, but only about two buses stop there. So you never see a crowd in front of Gateway. No. And that's purposeful. That's purposeful. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want a crowd there, and so the the stop is designed. There's only a few buses stop there because they don't want a huge crowd there. Okay, and that block has become safer, and that block has become cleaner and safer, and a whole bunch of things just because it's designed appropriately. Broad and market is just badly designed. Okay. Um, yeah. How do you feel about? Uh, you spoke about redevelopment. Right. Um, what about other areas other than downtown? You know, what I mean, when, when are we going to start to see redevelopment in the West Ward or redevelopment? In the number blocks or right, in the right, South right. Ward and stuff like that. If anybody tells you that that type of development is easy, they're lying to you. That's why the, isn't why is that's it the hardest? Downtown is easy development because it's located near mass transit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has all these venues like the Prudential Center and NJ Pack, mm-hmm. um, Hotel Indigo now, Hotel Indigo. Everybody, Newark is becoming. In a similar way of what's happened in Detroit, Newark is becoming a brand and people are coming in and doing photography sessions of the buildings and the architecture and the graffiti. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's happening in the number streets and places like the West Ward is a bit more difficult because there aren't amenities up there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to get, it's hard to develop places where there are amenities and they're badly connected. So there are, there are a number of streets. Meaning, meaning that the train doesn't go there. Right, right. And there are a number of streets that have terrible bus access. Mm-hmm. Like you have to walk a few blocks to, Just to, catch the to bus. get a bus. So, you know, if you live on like South 12th or South 13th, you either have to walk to South Orange Avenue to get a bus mm-hmm. or you have to walk to, to like uh, Clinton, or something. Clinton or Springfield Avenue. Yeah. So a lot of them are just badly connected to the mm-hmm. city. Um, and the other thing is that we just don't have the amenities. And then the third thing is that development is not going to happen in any of those places until we're able to essentially fix a lot of those structural problems that it's faced. We need people to be employed. Like, we need good schools. Like, we, we can't get... We can't get new people to move up there if the schools are terrible. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't want the people who currently live up there mm-hmm. to have terrible schools. Okay. So there's a lot there's a lot more structural things that have to happen in the neighborhoods for development to really take off. But what I will say um, is that's in particular places. There are other places that I think development is going to start and it's going to boom. And it already has, like Bellsburg and Newark. Mm-hmm. Um, its location is Seton Hall. Um, has really been an asset for it. And if you see what's happening in Bellsburg, houses are being brought. Um, and it's a beautifully kept neighborhood, Bellsburg and Ivy Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the Weekwake section. Um, some development has started. Some development has started. Um, they're extending the PATH station out there. 
Um, uh, so which I've heard about. When is that supposed to come? Like 2017? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But that's a massive project that has huge implications for the South Ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so stuff, stuff is happening. Um, people just have to practice patience and people have to understand that these things don't happen overnight. If you look at where Brooklyn is now, Brooklyn's development started in 1990. It's taken 25 years to get where it is. If okay. you look at D.C., D.C. has been in it about 15, 10, 15 years now. Mm-hmm. So it takes time. And I would say, I would say, excuse me, Newark is truly, truly about three, four years into its development. So it'll okay. get there. It'll just take some time. It's going to take some time. Okay. You briefly uh, discussed and uh, mentioned schools. You know what I mean? I want to yeah. talk to you about your opinion on uh, Newark schools, both Newark public schools and the charter school aspect of Newark right now. Um, there's been a lot of, I don't know, discussion, anger, bad politics surrounding um, Newark public schools and the charter school aspect yeah. in Newark. Um, there's been a lot of money. I would say flown around. What's your opinion on um, the charter school expansion for one, and uh, them possibly and sometimes taking away from the money that yeah. North Public School is allotted to and uh, reshaping North Public Schools? Do you think charter schools is kind of a hindrance to North Public yeah. Schools, or can they coexist? Um, and I'm always careful about like approaching this topic because. You know, I didn't go to North Public Schools up until I went to high school. Okay. So I, I don't have as much experience with North Public Schools as a lot of people. But what I will say is I'm a numbers guy. I'm a data-driven guy. So I think we should look at where the success is and capitalize on it. If the goal should be, the goal should be above anything else to make sure that kids come out of the city with a decent education, um, and a decent shot at college and a decent shot at a good life. That should be the goal, period. And so if charter schools do that, then we should be supporting charter schools. If public schools do that, then we should be supporting public schools. And if we see charter schools succeeding, but public schools aren't, the the the, the dialogue shouldn't be how do we how do we delegitimize charter schools to, to help public schools get better. The the argument should be how can we take what charter schools are doing and, and gear them towards what's happening into our public schools. Mm-hmm. And charter schools, vice versa, should be like, how do we support public schools? Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, it's one city. It's all the same kids. Yeah. And, and the and goal and should Bottom be, line, when the kids are out of school, they're going to be face-to-face with each other. So right. you better prepare exactly. them exactly. both sides of the fence. And so it should be about it should be about how do we bring these two groups together. The, the crazy thing is, man, is like... If you listen to some of the dialogue that people are saying or like how people are saying it's so it's so, you know, me versus you and it's it's dangerous dialogue, bro. And so it's like, how can we expect our kids to act a certain way if we got, you know, parents and teachers and students fighting in the streets over this over this charter versus public debate? Mm-hmm. So, OK, well, what happens when um like the charter school industry because it's a private industry am i correct about that it's a private industry what if it does something like try to buy week break high school or something like that or like doesn't that take away from what 
public schools is trying to do in the first place or like right, right. you know what I mean because what I'm saying is I, I understand where you're coming from right, and right. I agree with you you know what I mean the, the, the whole topic should be more around the kids and yeah. their education yeah. but the reality of the situation is like the politics of it is just so grimy and so dirty yeah. that like yeah. Like the, the the charter schools almost have like a like a stranglehold over the public schools, in my opinion. Right. I think I think. So I think North Public Schools has a strong legacy that it should preserve. It's mm-hmm. one of the oldest school districts in the country. If you look at people who have come out of North Public Schools, a lot of the alumni have gone on to do, I mean, incredible things, things yep. incredible things, and so. I think, A, the district does a bad job of highlighting alums who have come out and done successful things. I think they should have an archive, a center um, that celebrates, mm-hmm. you know. I think North should have just a learning center that people can you know, the walk hundreds, into. The hundreds of years of education that has happened in this city and the, and the, the products that have come out of it. Like Ed Koch, mm-hmm. who used to be the mayor of New York City. The guy is a graduate of Weequake High School at that time, Southside High, mm-hmm. or Shabazz, I'm sorry. Um, and so, but a lot of people don't know that type of stuff. I didn't know. Like, a lot of people don't know that stuff because it's just like, there's no way, there's no way to find it. And yeah. so we have to do, this, the North Public Schools has to do a better job of touting its history so that people can understand the importance of this district and the historical importance of this district. Uh, and it's unfortunate that what's happening is, is that as charter schools open, traditional public schools lose students to those charter schools. And so now these traditional public schools that were built for 1,000 kids, 1,500 kids, mm-hmm. now have 300 and 400 kids. Mm-hmm. And then it just becomes, it doesn't make, economically, it doesn't make sense to keep schools Fun open. Money, yeah. You know, keep lights, keep heat, you know, keep staff. Water. Water. If... If, you know, a school that was built for 1,500 kids now only has 300 kids. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a tough dilemma, and, and I'm not sure the solution to it, because if I'm a parent, and my kid, you know, you could talk about North Public Schools, this school getting better and doing things, but if I'm a parent right now, with a kid right now, of course I'm going to choose the school that I think is best for my kid to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the reality. And so we got to figure out a way to make sure that North Public Schools can compete. Mm-hmm. And with I don't, the charter schools or just compete with the country? Compete with the country. Okay. Compete with the country. And I don't know what that will take. Mm-hmm. But listen, if you look at other industries, man, the tech industry, um, sports, competition breeds innovation, bro. Mm-hmm. And it should be no different here. I mean, I know people don't want to hear that, but that's the reality. If 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 charter schools, if people are afraid that charter schools are coming in and taking over, and listen, there are precedent for that. New Orleans is now 100% charter schools. Mm. Um, D.C. is about 50% charter. Mm-hmm. What is Newark right now? As far I as think Newark is might be 40, 35% charter 40%. school. Innovation breeds, breeds competition, breeds innovation. So the, the North Public School has to get innovative about what it's offering students. You got to give students a reason to come. We can have this debate all day, but mm-hmm. if I'm a parent and I want the best opportunities for my child, I'm mm-hmm. going to send them where I think the best opportunities are. Okay. Okay. Now, briefly discuss uh, your stance on uh, gang and uh, gang violence here in North. Uh, Ras Baraga had this uh, like 
mandate, you know what I mean, kind of uh, how he's going to reduce violence. And yeah. uh, they wind up rele- uh, like uh, arresting like 70-something, like Grape Street Crip members, whatever you want to call it. Um, like, how do you feel about that type of strategy of going after gang members or going after just specific gangs in general here in Newark? Because honestly, it hasn't really affected the murder rate right. um, as probably he would have liked. Where's your, what's your stance on that? Um, you know, I think, and I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a policing expert. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the police kind of have their strategy about how they want to solve crime. Yeah. Um, that's, that's in, in, hold on. Is the police strategy completely different than the mayor's strategy? No, I think it's, I think it's, I think they coordinate. I think it's one strategy. So I think, I think a part of, look, it's all about the image of safety, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you have a city like Newark where, Things are moving at the rate they're moving. I know if, if you've lived here, it's hard to kind of understand it, but things are moving very quickly here mm-hmm. in terms of development, in terms of where the direction the city is going. And so when you think about public safety, you think about actually making the city safer, but you also think about the image of safety. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when things happen and you, and you pick up the star ledger and you see that this person's been arrested for this shooting, mm-hmm. this person has been arrested for this and this, it, it may not necessarily put a dent in, in the crime rate, but it's about the perception of safety. Mm-hmm. So it makes people feel safe, safer knowing that some guy who shot some other guy is, is now in is jail. off the street. Okay. But, but most people understand that crime is kind of this fluid thing like it's not about it's not always about locking people up that's not always the solution because as we know Mm -hmm. retaliation happens people get out things happen and so the solution is these more substantive things about approaching crime as a public health issue which the mayor has talked about Mm -hmm. um making sure young people especially in this town i'm talking about 16 17 year olds when they get in their first offense making sure that we have programs and redirect redirect programs to make sure that they are on the right track that they're on the right track the, the solution isn't dropping everybody in delaney hall that can't be a solution mm-hmm. because they come out harder than when they went in yeah the solution is how do we shower this kid with resources and opportunities that making sure he doesn't have to go back gives you no option but to succeed you know if i take a kid that has you know and this happens all the time you have some 14 year old after school you know he wants money for snacks or like he wants money for food sneakers he'll rob somebody yeah and so he could go to delaney hall for six months but i guarantee you he's gonna come out a better criminal when he comes out of delaney hall okay the solution has to be what kind of program can we establish where we take this kid out of his element and say, no, or even possibly at Delaney Hall, or at we could do it at Delaney Hall. So I think I think there are two parts of public safety. I think the perception of public safety is important. Like people need to know that people who commit horrific crimes are behind bars. Okay, that's important for people to feel safe that way. Mm-hmm. But the second thing is some of the most important work in reducing crime happens behind the scenes. It's, it's creating programs It's creating opportunities It's the way we police mm-hmm. Things like that Okay Okay now uh, Speaking of police You had your position uh, On a board On an advisory board mm-hmm. uh, Making sure that uh, There's low police brutality Explain that Because I'm, I'm a little confused so, On um, how that all works And um, why you're so passionate About 
making sure that uh, police have an advisory board. So um, the the Newark riots happened in 1967, um, similar to. Uh, Similar to a lot of what was going on at that time, cities across America were having riots. And a lot of the riots came out of police brutality Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so one of the things that came out of the riots in Newark uh, were people saying we need a civilian complaint review board, Mm -hmm. which is a review board of civilians. um, So non-police officers Mm -hmm. who... Review cases who hear or, cases okay. of so instead of going so what that means effectively instead is, of going to the prosecutor instead of going to internal affairs okay. like so if I'm on a block and some cop comes and harasses me for no reason mm-hmm. the typical thing is I would go to internal affairs mm-hmm. who's in the police right and internal affairs sense. are police officers yeah so they'll review the case and um, you know they'll you know they'll they'll go through their investigation process but the issue is is that Police are going to protect police. That's just that's any industry. You any know what industry, I mean? Yep. If I if I'm a firefighter, firefighters are going to protect firefighters. Teachers mm-hmm. are going to protect teachers. Yep. Um, and so what that ended up meaning is that a lot of the internal affairs cases that were filed went unsubstantiated. So the Department of Justice came into Newark and did a report a couple years ago, and they found that yeah, I think over a three or four year span. Hundreds of internal affairs cases were filed, and only one was substantiated. Mm-hmm. And so, what that means is that there's a fundamental problem with the yeah, internal affairs system. Yeah. And so, what the Civilian Complaint Review Board does is, if I'm a citizen and I don't want to go to a cop to tell on another cop, mm-hmm. I can file a case with the Civilian Review Board, mm-hmm. and, and they're not cops. They're people like me, activists, lawyers. Okay. And they. What is the, the civilian? Cases. Yeah. What is the civilian? board do after that then so they hear the cases they investigate um and they they reach a conclusion like this happened or this didn't happen Mm -hmm. and then they make a recommendation to the police director saying you know i think this this particular officer needs to be suspended Suspended. or or fired or or things like that Mm -hmm. um and the police director takes into that suggestion um, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't agree with the suggestion, mm-hmm. he has to appear before the board and explain basically his reasoning for rejecting our rejecting our suggestion. Okay. And so what it does is that it creates a lot more accountability yeah. in the process. Yeah, and it, it, it makes the police officer actually face the community, exactly. face the issue exactly. that he brought upon himself. And the other great thing is that the review board can. Um, can can give out policy recommendations to the department. Mm-hmm. So if I see this particular pattern of behavior happening, mm-hmm. I can say like y'all need to change how you're doing this, or you know, mm-hmm. we can recommend procedural changes to to the department. So it's exciting, man, and it's something that Norcas have fought for for you know going on sixty years now. So um, this is really, and tomorrow is actually the the final vote for it. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow night, six p.m. Um, at the city council chambers is the final vote for the civilian complaint review board, mm-hmm. um, and it will really be a historic day for g- literally generations of Yorkers who have been calling for this. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, a few things before you get out of here. I know we're running on some uh, pretty good time. We got a lot of we got a lot in already. Yeah, we but, got a lot in, man. It's uh, a good conversation. A few more things to discuss, right? Um, I wanted your opinion on Cory Booker, the former mayor of, of Newark. Give me the good, the bad, and the ugly of Cory Booker. Uh, what's your opinion on this the guy? The good, the bad, the ugly. Um, 
You don't have to give me the good, the bad, and ugly. Just let give me, me your let opinion. Let me start with. Yeah. Let me start with. Um, let me start with the good, right? He's a dynamic person, right? Yeah, great orator, he's, like he's you a, said he's before. He's a di- he's a really dynamic person, and despite you know how people feel about him and his record in Newark, the reality is is that he brought a level of attention and notoriety to Newark that uh, I would agree to was that. absent from the city for a while. Period. He brought as far as Nate freshness um, and a and a and a type of national attention to the city that okay. Newark needed. Um, like I was saying earlier, like any mayor, there are things that you do well and there are things that you don't do so well. Mm-hmm. I think there were things that were missed um, in the Booker administration, um, but that's a part of what it means to be mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think I think he I think he had some really substantial benefits to Newark. I think he gave some really substantial benefits to Newark, mm-hmm. um, and so I think. You know, I think like everybody else in this country, his future is bright. Okay. I think he'll go on to do some uh, some really incredible things. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about a President Booker in a couple of cycles. I'm glad you mentioned that and I didn't have to bring it up. You know what I mean? So speaking of uh, Cory Booker, you know what I mean, and his future aspirations, you know what I mean? Do you think he has deceived the people a little bit? Because deceived. What do you mean by deceived? Uh, well, I'll just come straight with it then. Okay. Um, do you think he's deceived people as being um, uh, a senator right now, but wanting to be possibly the first openly gay president? Do you think is that fair to ask? Um, listen, I think I don't know. I don't. I don't know what. Uh, you know, I, I think he's answered this a few times, and I think his response has been. Um, in 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 speaking of his response, now and I'm glad you mentioned that. Why hasn't he been um, accepting of uh, just openly discussing his sexual orientation? Do you think? Um, I, I what I think he said, and I agree with it, is that it's nobody's business. I think mm-hmm. you know, I think people have a, a, a reasonable right to privacy, mm-hmm. um, and that includes elected, even if you're running for president. I, 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 I do. I think everybody ha- is entitled to some some level of privacy. So, whether whatever his situation is, and I don't know, um, it, it's 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 his right and his discretion to be able to choose when, where, and if he ever uh, he ever wants to talk about it. Okay. So I, but I think he if has you're running that for right. president, then your family is also on the same platform as you. So you're talking about first lady, you're talking about does he have a family? Because when's the last president you're talking about who didn't have wife and kids? You know what I mean? The yeah. family structure that America's used to seeing. Yeah. I mean, so so those are all those are all important Valid questions. points. No, no, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is is the makeup of the American family is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you look around the country, families, the dynamics of families, the structures of families are, are changing. And I think I think our politics will start to reflect that. So I think this idea that a president has to be married with two kids and a dog, I, I, I just don't know how how much more sustainable that is or or how much that will be a reality in the future because American families don't all, don't always look like that mm-hmm. anymore. Okay. Next question. Let's just move on. Um, before you get out of here, I got to ask you, uh, as far as 
uh, the Democratic Party, right, and uh, right. black people voting for the Democratic Party. Right. Do you think that is a, a, a benefit to the to black people as a race, or do you not view it in that spectrum? Do you think that uh, black people should, at, for one, vote as a race, or um, vote kind of as individuals? You know what I mean? And if so, you know what I mean. Uh, like, how? Why hasn't Hillary or, or Bernie really capitalized on that yet? In my, in your um, opinion. Because in my opinion, they really haven't spoke to me as a black young. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think what's happening is, is I think oftentimes black people have been considered uh, a block vote. So that's yeah. the idea that and we I have, vote. I have an issue with that. Yeah, I do too. I think that we vote in, in unison. And I don't think that's true. I think if you, if you travel the country, you realize that like what it means to be a black man in New York City isn't necessarily what it means to be a black man, you know, in Denver, Colorado. So mm-hmm. so I, I, I just think this idea that all black people are on the same page about everything isn't true. Because if you go to the South, uh, you know, there's still a huge black population that has mixed views on marriage equality and things mm-hmm. like that, as opposed to up here where... I find that black people tend to be a lot more liberal towards those issues. There are conservative blacks, there are liberal blacks, there are, you know, neoconservative black people. So, mm-hmm. and know, Hillary I, has gotten a lot of support in the South from black people. Yeah, and so I think, I think, I think the thing is, is that black people aren't a block vote. That what it means to be black in this country is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what it means to be black is different in different places and the things you care about as a person of color in this country is changing. So, you know, I think black people are going to vote as individuals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've, I've, I've talked to some black people who are voting for Donald Trump. Now, so mm-hmm. it, 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 it is what it is. Yeah. OK, man. Last thing before you get out of here, you said there's a state of the union address tonight. Yeah. State I'm of the city. Mistaken. address. What are you expecting to hear? Or uh, why do you go to these events in the first place? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you like to get out of it? Um, I mean, the truth is, is like at the state of the city, there's a lot of mingling. Now. Mm-hmm. So if you like to meet people and kind of, you know, you know, work. I'm your, thinking about going now. You should go, man. Yeah, you go. should go. You should definitely go. Work your political chops and just kind of talk to people and meet people. It's a good thing to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then secondly, the state of the city is always good because it's a refresher every year. So tonight we'll probably hear about some new projects that are happening in the city. We'll hear about what's going to be built. Mm-hmm. Um, some exciting things that are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard rumors that I'm, 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 uh, I'm hoping to get uh, sustained. I heard something about a, a ice skating rink coming to Newark. We um, don't have one already. We have we have some ice rink in the East Ward, man. I've been I, to one. I'm hearing about an ice rink downtown. I don't know how true it is, but okay. we'll see. Oh, like an outdoors one? Like an outdoor kind of, yeah. Maybe um, right by Dinosaur Barbecue they could fit one maybe, in. Maybe, maybe. We'll you see. Mean, it but, works with the devil's aspect, so you got that there. So, But um, we'll see. So State of the Cities are always about bringing new life here. So we'll, we'll, we'll hear about some of the developments that are happening. And we'll hear about some of the issues that are going on. So lead, the lead in schools, that big issue. We'll hear mm-hmm. about um, different crime stats. Mm-hmm. So it's always just good to kind of get... A refresher about what's happening. Okay, okay. You want to talk about letting schools real quick? What do you want to talk about? <laughs> schools. Not only just the Flint, Michigan uh-huh. whole aspect. Like, what what do you think should happen to the governor of Michigan right now? And um, 
How does that kind of correlate to the issue that Newark is facing right now? Real quick. I think Rick Snyder, who's the governor of Michigan, I think if he, he should knew, resign. I right? think if he knew about this before, if he knew about what was happening in Flint before it became public, I think he should resign. Because mm-hmm. I think what's happened in Flint is um, nothing short of a tragedy. Tragic. A generation of children have been poisoned. Um, I think the situation in Newark is a lot different because the lead levels weren't as high. Mm-hmm. That's the first much thing. Lower, yeah. Much lower. Much lower. Much lower. Um, and this is something that's only affecting schools. Okay. Um, it's not like the entire North water supply is, is filled with lead. Yeah, that's that not true. Um, the schools, and particularly the pipes in the schools, because as we talked about earlier, North Public Schools is one of the oldest districts in the country and also has one of the, some of the oldest buildings in the country. Yeah. We have Old schools that are 75, 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Just um, a building. Just a building. Yeah. And so the pipes in the same way are going to be old and so you know look i think somebody is going to have to take responsibility for it i think people are going to want answers Mm -hmm. people are going to want to know whose job it was to make sure that levels didn't get to this point Mm -hmm. um but i think even more than that the most important thing the priority should be is how do we fix this in the quickest way Okay. That's it. Okay, How do we man. fix it? How do we fix it? I think we get sometimes we get so caught up in finger pointing that it's like we forget to point out like listen, the the goal should be to get this fixed, get this remedy. So we'll see. Okay, man. What's uh what's next for you, man? You got any shout outs you wanna do? Say what you're up to, you know what I mean? What people should be on the lookout for Rashawn Davis? Um the first thing I'll say is definitely follow me um, on Twitter at Rashawn A Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I, I tweet a lot, so you can kind of see what I'm working on. But mm-hmm. um, we got a lot of things up the sleeve. Listen, life. Somebody once told me that uh, you know men make plans and God laughs. God and laughs. So yep. life takes its own kind of course, roller coaster ride sometimes. And so I'm just kind of riding the roller coaster. Things are going well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to be a part of Essex County Young Dems. I'm mm-hmm. happy to be a part of the Civilian Review Board. Mm-hmm. Um, and most importantly, I'm happy to be. Um, a part of the change that's happening here in Newark. You know, I get questions all the time about, you know, would you come here for a job? Would you come here for a job? Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is like, there's no other place in this country I think I can go where I can be a part of a renaissance in the way that is happening here in Newark. Mm-hmm. Because rest assured, the Newark that you know today will be will not be the Newark that you know in ten years. Okay. And so when that is said and done. When we reflect back on where, how far the city has come, I where definitely want to be one of those yeah. people that are like, I was a part of it. I was there. You know. Okay. You got any shout outs? Shout out to everybody. Shout out to the team, man. Got to shout out the War Report one time. Shout out the War Report. Um, I've been I've been a faithful listener. Definitely excited to be here. Shout out to my man, Jared. We go back since high school. Yeah, man. University high school, man. University high school. Um, we were close in college, so... Yeah, we linked up in college, but yeah, man, it's good to see. It's good to see young people here making a difference, bro, in mm-hmm. every aspect, in media, and mm-hmm. in politics, and education. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I could say I'm most proud of is that I feel like the people that I kind of graduated with mm-hmm. are, are coming back to the city um, and, and hitting all the markers because mm-hmm. you know, like. Yeah. Newark is a media desert. Okay. We only have two newspapers. Yep. WBGO is our radio show. So, like, 
So like outlets like this are important because there aren't enough. You know what yeah. I mean? Especially if there aren't enough talking about issues that affect young people, mm-hmm. and there aren't there aren't enough journalists like you who look like you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Young men of color. Yeah. So you know it's it, it's it's about the whole. It's about the team effort, bro. Mm-hmm. How do we fix this city from all angles? Um, and so, you know, I'm proud of you, man, and congratulations on War Report and everything that's happening with it, man. Hey, man, appreciate it, man. Rashawn Davis, man. War Report Radio Series, man. We, we are out, we man. Go. You heard it live from from Rashawn Davis right there, man. Let's do it. Let's keep it up, man. Yeah. We are out. Peace. Peace. Go work.